Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, hello, hello. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Moment with Moschetti, your mental health and spiritual wellness podcast. I'm your hostesses with the mostesses, your auntie, sister, cousin, best friend, always coming with the realness. Moschetti herself. What a clap at. Hold on. Hold on. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming to you, well, not so live, because I'm not live this time. I'm coming to you from the Tone Deaf Network studio podcast here. And I, as you can see, am not spending this moment alone with just you and me. I have a special guest today with me. Her name is Miss Vivian Barkley. Everybody say hi. Where the claps at? There So, Ms. Vivian here is a a content creator, an entrepreneur, a student, a mother, a wonderful young lady with a beautiful story. So, today we're going, the the title of today's episode is The Journey. So, we're going to go on a journey together. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about your life. We're going to talk a little little bit about how our lives have crossed. Um, And hopefully it'll be a nice enlightening conversation. So I don't have church announcements for you this week because we're going to hop right on into the interview. But I will say this, and I'm going to say this for, for this guest and for really all the guests that I'm, I'm planning on bringing in the future, because this will not be the only person that's going to spend a moment with me. Um, I don't think she's going to say nothing too out of pocket, but I do want to <laughs> say that the views and the opinions of the people who are on the most Moment with Most Skeddy podcast belong to the mouths that it come out of. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cause I know you and I share some different uh, differing opinions on uncertain, you know, spiritual spaces and things like that. But uh, when it comes to mental wellness and spiritual wellness, I, I have a great respect for the people where they are on their paths, where it aligns with my path and where it differs from my path, especially when it brings you to the point of being um 
a healthy and happy individual. So we love that. We respect that. We promote that. We share that. And whatever you get out of this content that is uplifting for you, whether it be from my spiritual journey, the things that I'm teaching for mental wellness or Ms. Barkley's spiritual journey or anybody else's spiritual journey, you take that with you and you rock with it. Just remember, the views and opinions <laughs> of those on the moment Moschetti podcast belong to those whose mouths it came out of. All right. So with that being said, you wanna, I don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself, give us a little bit of introduction. Tell us tell us who you is. <laughs> um so I am a mom of five. Um, I think that's the most um the first thing that I like to tell about people is that I'm a mother because that's the biggest part of me. Um, I am an entrepreneur. I own a business called Attracting Success LLC that I started in 2018, which is just a spiritual um, wellness gift shop. So you can buy things like crystals, sage, and things like that. Um, I'm also a college student at Mount Mary University. I am studying psychology and communication. Um, I'm also a fraud specialist at FIS, and that's just like a few things about me. (laughs) And I'm also a content creator. Awesome, 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 awesome. So like I said, Ms. Barkley has a... A, a journey, mm-hmm. a journey that she has been on. So where where you and I cross paths is, as you guys know, currently I work as a therapist by profession. Um, prior to that, though, I spent many years in the foster care um, world, working with foster children and foster parents. And it was, what, about a decade ago, yeah. we crossed paths when you were a foster kid, yep. about to age out of care. I was a foster care mentor mentor yeah trying to help y'all age out of care and become productive productive members of society (laughs) (laughs) and at the time she was a teenager teenagering (laughs) so um we can we'll we'll get a little bit into that so I just wanted to I guess you share with the people a little bit about your foster care journey about as much of it as you're you're comfortable starting with like if you want to share how old you were when you got in care or any circumstances around that and just give us you know some info about your journey yes definitely so um i actually entered foster care at the age of eight um due to actually being um, abandoned by my mother um and uh, i was living in milwaukee she had went to atlanta and i ended up staying with a cousin um i didn't enter foster care right then and there it was kind of after a year of staying with my cousin I was mentally, physically um, abused and things like that. And um, I finally, like, you know, spoke out about it. Um, I actually went to my oldest sister, um, Naprisha Shannon, who actually um, helped me, you know, get away from that situation with my cousin. Um, And that's how I entered foster care because of the circumstances surrounding um, my first placement after my mother abandoned me. Mm -hmm. So once I entered foster care, I went through a lot of assessment homes, group homes, foster homes. Um, none really worked out. Um, so it was kind of like being bounced around. Um, I remember by the age of 16, um, I had been to about 20 different homes. That's um, wild. Yeah, it was a lot. Um, I really couldn't 
you know, stay in one stay at home. It just didn't work out for me. But um, at the age of 16, I actually stumbled upon something that actually changed my life, which is called the law of attraction. Um, when I started believing in the law of attraction, it actually showed me a side of life that I didn't know before then because I had a pretty miserable childhood, I would say. You ain't um, got to put it in quotes. Yeah. You, just, you, just, <laughs> you just told us. Definitely. Foster care, you, 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 your mom leaves you at eight. Mm-hmm. You, you're with your family. That's not working out. You're getting abused yeah. there. You got to call on your sister to get you out. Yep. You bouncing around to 20 different yes. foster homes so in, in the years. span of eight years. Yeah. And you are, ah, I guess it's a little miserable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, so that's, yeah. that, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, So like I said, at the age of 16, um, I had bounced around from a few homes at the moment. I was staying. uh, Actually, I ran away for the first time because I was kind of fed up with life. So I ran away and I found out about something called the law of attraction, which means like attracts like anything that you think of can come into existence, um, positive and negative. So that was kind of the turning point of my life um, Mm -hmm. when I started believing in that. Um, And then I started thinking like, you know what? My life don't have to be so bad. Maybe I can think a good life into existence. So that's kind of what I did. So like I said, at that time I was um, AWOL. So I was on the run kind of. I had called my, you know, my social worker, like I'm ready to go back to school. You know, I'm ready to get back on the path to, you know, get myself back in order. So that's when I entered um, a group home that I ended up staying for two years um, at the age of 16. I moved out at 17 and a half. Um, and that was just based off of me growing into something called independent living because that's what the next stage that I was ready for. And that's when I met you, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's go back a little bit because okay. I, I, when I when I met you, you were all about the law of attraction. Right. OK. But I didn't know how you got there. Okay. So you're AWOL because yes. um, everything is is too much. Is too much. It's yes. miserable. Um, things are not going in a positive direction. You've shared some of the stories of the things that have happened to you over yes. the years. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you find or how did the law of attraction find you? How'd you how'd you okay. how'd y'all find each other? Yes, yeah, so um I was actually at a Okay. I was actually at a point in my life where I needed guidance. I did not. um, So I'm not a Christian and I did not have a Pacific religion. So what I did at the time was I researched all different types of religions because I'm like, I need to find my space in life because I don't have one. Um, I did grow up well, I can't say that I grew up a Christian, but that's what was the right thing to be. Um, but it just did not connect with me as much as it should have, I guess, at that moment. So what I did was, like I said, in the midst of researching different religions, um, I stumbled across something called The Secret. I'm like, what is The Secret? So at first I'm like, let me just watch this, which was a documentary on Netflix. Literally, this is how <laughs> I started believing in the law of attraction. I've seen of the documentary. Secret. I've yeah. seen The Secret, though. So it's really good. It's amazing. So I watched this um documentary and it was like a light went off like I said I was at a time in my life where I was trying to figure out what religion I wanted to be in because I was like hey I can just pick one you know I was 16 years old um and I wanted to find myself and once I listened to the secret I was like oh my god like this is what I resonated with the most um and even though if I wasn't considered a Christian um they still had faith-based um things that went along with it so um, when I started believing in the secret, that's kind of where the law of attraction came about, where Bob Prackner, the person who created the secret, kind of like, you know, introduced me into a different life, um, which ended up changing my life. I think so. Okay. 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 So how did, how did you use this information? Like what, how did it change your life? Cause you said this yes. is, this is a point where things, shifted. things shifted. Okay. 
So um, with the law of attraction, they do give you tools that you can use to actually create a better life for yourself. And one of the tools that um, resonated with me the most was visualization. So they basically said that you can visualize um, the goals and aspirations that you want to achieve and that they will come, um, not based off of that basically just based off of you having faith in yourself and just knowing that in the end that this will work out for you. So I started taking those visualization sessions to the next level. Mm -hmm. uh, once I entered my last group home that I stayed at for about a year and a half, almost two years, I started doing something called visualization sessions where I would go in my room every day because I was at a point where I did not want to live in a group home anymore. I'm like, I've been here for so long, even though I just turned 17, I am ready to, you know, um, leave. You know, I had my own job. So like I said, the visualization sessions was my way to go on to the next level of my life. Mm -hmm. So when I started my visualization sessions, it took me, um, I basically wanted to visualize myself getting my own apartment um, or moving into independent living, because like I said, that was the next step. Um, and like I said, every day for about five minutes of my day, as soon as I wake up, I just sit in my bed and I will visualize um, me obtaining my own apartment, me walking into the doors and me smelling like the candles, um, just like basically feeling the feeling that I would feel once I moved into my apartment. I did that for about two months and I'm like, OK, this is not working. Um, so I almost gave up. But I didn't. I kept my faith um, and I just kept doing them. And then one day I, I woke up and my group home manager came to me like we have a meeting. Um, and like I said, at this point, I was ready to give up. So I was like, I'm going to either leave this group home or y'all is going to help me get into independent living. Like I said, I had my own job. Um, I was the only girl in the group home that was actually trying to better myself. You know, even though I had a rough path, I was still like, you know what? Things can change. I understand that my life can be better. Um, so like I said, she told me that I had a meeting um, and that meeting was the first step of me entering independent living, which is where I met you. Yeah. So just for clarity on the independent living program. So it was, it is a program, or at least when I was working there at that time, it was a program that assisted foster children in aging out of care. So we would take foster kids in their last year or half year of being under 18, still technically under uh, the care of the state. And we would set them up with, um, apartments, we fully furnish them, give them allowances, give them fooding, food stipends, basically take care of all the basic needs up until you age out of foster care, which will be the 18th birthday. Um, sometimes we will work with um, the state to get their foster care um, extended to 19 so that we could care for them even longer, uh, which would make them still a dependent for an extra year. But for those who didn't really necessarily have the means to take care of themselves, because as you know, at 18, you not you tech, you can vote, but you ain't grown. <laughs> you go to army, but you you not you not you not grown yet. Y'all thought y'all was grown, <laughs> but you you not quite always all the way ready to take care of yourself. So sometimes we would do that. Um, for those who needed it, but really it was intended to be this middle ground stepping stone to help make sure that um, kids weren't just out here aging out of foster care with nowhere to go. So there was a there's a couple of different directions that that things could go when you turn 18 and you are in foster care. Sometimes people's families are cool with them coming back to the house. They just don't want them people on in a business. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes the family isn't stable or you don't want to have nothing to do with them and they don't want to have nothing to do with you. So uh, kids have gotten like dropped off by their group homes at homeless shelters and have like 
had to leave their foster home placements because now you have an additional adult in the house. And if the license doesn't cover that extra adult in the house, then they they risk losing their foster care license. And if they got other kids in the house, like that's a problem. So there's been a lot of like sticky situations that former foster kids get in when they turn 18 and they literally have nowhere to go. So we crossed paths when I was a mentor in that program. We worked together when I was a mentor in that program. You always had the, um, you always had this drive in you from when I met you because she she came into the program you came into the program younger than what we normally take yes definitely <laughs> yes and that made me proud too because they did tell me that you had to be 17 and a half I was 17 two in two months so basically um I was 17 for two months and I had my own job um and they was just telling me how you know um that I deserved to be there and I really did feel feel that way when I entered the program yeah 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 so um if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about your experience in foster care prior to us getting to that point. Because by the time you're in independent living, like you got your own apartment, nobody is, we got an 11 o'clock curfew, but mm -hmm. up until then, nobody is really ruling over your life all day long. Like I'm checking to see if you're in school and stuff, but like, I'm not waking you up. I'm not making you shower. I'm not making you do chores. I am making you do chores, but like, you were definitely. A I come. I come over. I but I still come over like two, two, three times a week max. I'm not on top of you like group home staff would be, or the way that um, a foster home would be. So I guess um, if you don't mind sharing your highlight, lowlights of being in foster care, like an experience that you thought was great and one that was not so great. Yes. Um. Wow. Um, I was in foster care for a very long time, so I think 11 years total. Um, I think that the lowest I felt was when I first entered foster care because of the conditions that I was in. You know, I was like frail, probably 80 pounds because I was being starved and um, abused and things like that. And um, once I entered foster care, I believe that it was really rough for me because I went against everybody who came in contact with me because I was so traumatized and I just did not think that I was ever going to find a home. So I honestly think my first eight years in foster care was horrible um, mm -hmm. because, like I said, I was bounced around. I didn't have a word. I had a guardian enlightenment who actually was like, this is what's best for you. I didn't have the input. Okay. It was it was very it was very hard. And even after the eight years, um, when I turned 16 and I started believing in law of attraction, when I went to that last group home, I had group home managers who were working against me who I guess I was I was maybe just a smart smart you know I just did too much like I, I was being a teenager rebellious um mm -hmm. and they made it hard for me so it was really rough in foster care up until I met you I will say that um because like I said I had people who were supposed to take care of me who like used to work with the girls to hide my ties and things like that so I had a very rough in foster care but um once I did you know go into independent living you know I was able to meet people who actually cared about me like you um and it, it felt amazing so like I said my journey in foster care was very rough um I never felt like I had a voice I was beat abused and starved and it, it was rough I moved from house to house um so yeah, it was kind of like I said, it was rough. Yeah, definitely my first eight years for sure. The first eight years, the first eight years that's yes. a long time for mm -hmm. a little kid. Yes. Um, you said guardian at litem for those who don't know, that is like a person 
through the courts that is specifically appointed to the children who are supposed to be acting as a voice for the children and acting in their best interest. So that person technically should be speaking to you as a kid, even if you're just 10, 11, 12 years old, especially if you're um, in into your teenage years, because by then you, you have a little bit more problem solving skills and a little bit more cognitive capability to see what's going on unlike when you're four but you still get a guardian at litem even if you are like two um so that person specifically should be listening for you and advocating for you in the courts and that person even just told you about what you needed and didn't listen didn't listen at all um and i had a pretty rough relationship with my parents also um that relationship grew with them but i was very um i feel like as a child i accepted a lot of the things that i went through um the abandonment the um the emotional um and mental abuse that i experienced um, from my stepmother, um, you know, it, it was a lot for me to process. So I grew up a very angry um, woman, even into, you know, having my children, you know, I really had a lot of trauma that I did not confront, you know, that I just let go because as a child, I'm like, hey, this is what I was you know, the life that I was handed to me. Mm -hmm. So as an adult, when I started having children, I had to sit back and be like, okay, why are you so angry? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and I was really angry because of all the trauma that I let go and I let the people who were in my life now who hurt me, you know, I let them in my life so easy because I accepted that. Mm -hmm. So, like I said, once I had my third kid, um, I just like went through a series of depression where I just like cut all my family off because I'm like, y'all was wrong. <laughs> Even though this happened a long time ago, you guys were wrong, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so, like I said, for like two years, I didn't talk to my parents. Um, I lashed out on Facebook a lot, which I know I shouldn't have, but that was my voice. That's where I, you know, you know, I just like, this is unfair. You know, I was abused and nobody cared. And now that I'm an adult and I'm doing okay in life, um, y'all think that y'all can just be a part of this and not, you know, actually care about who, because I'm still the same woman. I feel like, you know, an apology needs to be stated, mm -hmm. which I never got. I never got. Mm -hmm. So what I did was after two years of being angry at my parents, my mom, my dad, um, and a lot of other family members that had a lot to do with the reason why I entered foster care, um, I kind of, that's where my relationship with God came into place. Because like I said, I was never a Christian. I never, um, I never classified as a Christian. Um, so I kind of wanted to embrace um that new journey for myself. So I started listening to Christian music, which was something I never did, but I needed to touch bases with something else. You, you know, wanted to be connected law, with something. Yes, because the law of attraction was what was getting me through life, but I needed something deeper because I knew that it was a higher power. I had a lot of miracles happen in my life. Um, and one of them was the transition that I went through with my parents and understanding that, you know what, well, this is not okay, but I do have to forgive y'all for myself mm -hmm. because I won't get that apology. So like I said, after two years, um, I just, like I started gaining my faith in God um, and that kind of drove me to forgiveness you know the forgiveness that I had to forgive them without an apology mm. um, so like I said I did that um, and I started growing a better relationship with my mother and my father um, my mother kind of told me her story which kind of made me think like you know what 
I'm so sorry for actually putting so much pressure on you. You get what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. for not understanding her point of view and everything, you know? So now that me and my mother have actually talked about her past and her trauma, I'm like, wow, I, she's so strong. You know, I actually wow. felt like she was weak for leaving, but no, you were actually strong for getting away because, you know, she was running away from something, which I understand now. So I have a lot of respect for my mother. I have so in her abandoning you, it was her trying to escape yes. a bad situation on yes. her own and she yes. felt like leaving you behind was just the, one of the ways that she had to do that the best thing that she could do for me which turned mm -hmm. out to be the best thing because throughout foster care i became an amazing woman i was able to meet women like you um who you know who inspired me to be the woman i am today you know i i really thank my mom for making the executive decision to you know want a better life for me you know and at the moment i know she didn't understand it but now my mom is my number one fan and i love her so much <sighs> but like i really um do appreciate her for sharing her journey with me because now i understand i understand so much about my childhood and about my life now and now i can be a better parent because i'm not so angry as i used to be mm -hmm. so that's kind of where fosterhood led me to like you know mm -hmm. regaining my faith in god and just like understanding you know because understanding others um is a big part of my growth mm -hmm. you know so yeah man i you know i've said on previous episodes that one of the biggest pieces of a couple of big pieces of my healing journey have also come through just talking to my parents about like what happened in my upbringing and them acknowledging like yeah that happened and also sharing and or and coming to understand their parts of the story i tell people all the time like when I go back in my memories and I think about uh, my parents, my parents had me young. I pretty much forgive them for everything they did before they was 25. Right. Okay, <laughs> seriously. No, seriously. Because we, we like, we're, we're young and dumb and really just figuring out life. And then if you think about whatever it is that they, that they had to come through in that time, like my, my mom lost her mom before she was 20. She, my mom lost her mom when she was 20. My dad lost his dad when he was 21. Wow. And so both of them are trying to walk around here. Like I said, 18, 19, 20, you, you can vote and you can go to the army, but you ain't, you ain't grown. You don't really know nothing about, I don't consider people grown till they've been paying their own rent by themselves for at least three years. I just got grown. Just got grown. <laughs> That's why, we, that's why we can sit down and have this conversation because right. you're grown now. I'm grown now. <laughs> you pay bills. You got all them kids. You yeah, grown now. Yeah. But, like, you don't really know what it's like to really have to, like, struggle to take care of yourself, take care of these kids until you've been doing it for that first year is cute. But yeah. then the year after that, it get hard. And then the year after that, you really in it. And then you yeah. look forward. You're like, I got to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. You got kids in tow. You got your own mental health. You got however your parents brought you up. So there's a whole bunch of liberation that can be understood. And in your case, you're like, now I understand I'm this angry kid who's abandoned, but now I'm this enlightened woman who yes. understands that in the grand, grand scheme of things, mom had to go. Because what would have been the situation that y'all have been in if she would have stayed? Exactly. And I think about that a lot. I tell her now, like, girl, you know, your decision was your decision. And look at me now. You know, I'm a 4.0 college student, you know, and she loved Hold that on. about. I do everything that I do just so I can make my mom proud. Like, I have mm -hmm. no ill feelings about my mother or my father. 
But um, yeah, so like I said, me forgiving them actually made me into the woman I am now. Even though I had a rough childhood, that definitely doesn't define the woman that I am. Like I went through a lot of rough things, but um, I used that as an anchor to be an inspiration for others mm-hmm. because foster care children, they are looked at as you are not going to make it in life. You know, mm-hmm. like that's just the that's the statistics of it, you know. And when um, I first started working with foster kids, all I got all the time was, are they bad? And I'm like, they are kids. (laughs) Yes. Like, y'all are kids. Y'all do stuff that kids do. Definitely. Um, So I really feel like that just not letting your past, you know, affect because even if you're going through a lot now, your current circumstances will not last forever. So Mm -hmm. I keep that as the basis to just keep moving forward through whatever that I go through. Mm -hmm. And your dad, did you have any type of like reconciling conversations with him or were were you guys with y'all relationship? If you don't um, mind sharing. So, no, we never had like a conversation about how I felt or anything like that. But what happened was because my dad, he's a pretty unemotional person. He's pretty like he doesn't show his emotions. I never really um, seen my dad show his emotions. But one thing that we did do in the journey of me, like forgiving him in my own way, was we actually started having more times where I'd go to his house and we would like have a shot together or something <laughs> like that. So that was my way to connect with my dad, where, like I said, I would just go over there with him just to show him like, you know, I love you and I care about you and stuff like that. So I tried to build a relationship with him, but it never really, you know. Curled around quite the same as yeah, mom. Definitely didn't. But in your heart space, though, you kind of let you let that definitely. Go. Um, I kind of learned a lot of stuff about him, which is like why I am the way that I am, like mm-hmm. how smart he is. He's very like just the persona that he has. I think I get my persona from him. Like he loves Eminem, and I used to be so mad when he used to turn them on. Like, Dad, why are you listening to him? But now I'm actually a, a number one Eminem fan, like because <laughs> of my dad. You wow. know, like I love Eminem, and a lot of like I said, a lot of um the qualities that I have, I get them from my father. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Like I said, even though we were not able to touch bases like me and my mother, we still have that. You good with me, dad. Like, you know, so you <laughs> understand real. yourself better because yeah. you understand him. Yes. And that's um, that was a big part of me being able to move forward um, was just like I said, understanding myself, understanding him. Um, and it made me just all right with our situation for sure. Hey. That's that's that, man. You know, one of the first things that they told us when I started working with foster kids is um, be careful how you speak about their parents. Be careful how you speak about their parents because it's so easy. Like it's be careful about how you speak about their parents, even when y'all speak crazy about your parents, Uh, which it is real easy. And when you're when you become the caregiver of somebody, when they start ragging on their parents for you to kind of join the party, especially when you're the one that's like, I'm 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 taking care care of you. But but we were told specifically, like, be careful with that type of stuff. And this is the reason why, like people just because you were in this sticky situation with your parents doesn't mean that your parents weren't doing their best doesn't mean that your parents don't actually love you doesn't mean that you don't still have a deep love and a desire to reconcile with your parents it just means that this is just a a bad situation and we don't really know where this is all going but they're not in a position to care for you now some people i said be not say not don't say nothing mean about people's parents okay some people's parents. <laughs> if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't they say none at all. Exactly. <laughs> but but you know, but for but for the majority of the foster kids, though, you guys still 
even if it was a bad situation, there's a lot of you guys who still want to go home because those are your parents. That's where you came from. And so like, you don't speak ill on people's parents because you don't know where their heart is when it comes to their parents. You don't want to be part of the reason why they later on have more ammunition to not reconcile with their parents or, you know, even they might genuinely miss their people while they didn't care. You just was ragging on them a week ago. And that's just not your place to do it. It's not your place to do it as a worker. So um, they warned us against that. And as you see, you know, foster children, still have a love and a care for their parents still have a desire for reconciliation even if abandoned even if abused because we all have a right to know where we came from and have that type of reflection within ourselves so we can understand ourselves better despite the circumstances so oh wow phone wow that's how you feel was i droning on too long with my point wow <laughs> All right. So with that being said, um, I would like to hear a little bit more of your your motherhood journey, because that that's how do you grow up with no parents and then become an effective parent? Because I know you I know like you always say that I influence you really well. All I did was come in and be nice. That's that's all I that's all I tried to do. All I did All I did was try to be nice and and, and show you you ain't got to fight everybody who you got a disagreement with and like, you know, bring you like laundry soap. (laughs) You did way more than that. You actually taught me how to be a dog. You taught me how to cook. Okay, I did. You taught me a lot of. Don't cook nothing nasty and then tell people that I taught you how to cook. (laughs) But I think that the biggest um, motivation that I had to become a great mother was um, just basically because of my childhood. I can't remember a happy moment that I spent in my childhood. Mm -hmm. I can't remember moments where um, I see my parents smile because of me. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I. I don't remember uh, just having a relationship with either one of my parents at all. Not a healthy relationship at that. Not at all. Um, so with my with my oldest son, I had him for two years before I had any other children. And what I did with him was I talked to him a lot, even as a baby, you know, because I wanted to understand my child because nobody took the time to understand me, mm-hmm. you know, nobody at all. So I wanted from a young age for him to know, like, you matter, your opinion matters. And even if we just talking to baby talk, I still want to, you know, let you know that, you know, because that's just how I grew up. So me and my oldest son, we are very close. He talks a lot. And it might be because of my, because you was talking to him all the time. Yes. When he couldn't talk. Literally, like he'd go with his grandma and he'd come back at like one years old. And I just like, how, how was your day? He you know what I'm saying? So he grew up to be a very you know strong oldest brother you know Mm -hmm. so and then I do have four other children I have five in total um so by the time I had my second daughter I mean my second child which came to be a daughter I kind of got scared because I'm like I'm not a woman I don't know well I am a woman but I'm I don't I'm not girly at all how am I supposed to teach her how to be a girl a woman like you know so that scared me a lot um so like I said, that's kind of where I think that my issues with my parents started to arise because mm-hmm. by the time that I had my third kid, that's kind of when I just like just withdrew from the world, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so like I said, I kind of worked more on me internally um, to understand what type of mother that I wanted to be, um, understand my journey as a mother, too. So I think that when I took that time to understand me, that's when I came back to, you know, be mad at my parents. And then after about two years, um, I was 
back in grace with them. So I think that helped me become a stronger mother within itself. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, I was struggling with my three children at that time, because like I said, I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of anger built up. Um, and a big part of me becoming a stronger woman was basically facing my childhood and facing the problems that I had with my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and like I said, after that, after I had my fourth my fourth child um, and my relationship with my parents got better, I think that I became a stronger mom because, you know, I was ready to let my children have relationships with their grandparents. Um, I was open to, you know, improving on being a mother because I'm not always right. Um, looking at the decisions that my parents made made me like, you know what, maybe I do need to do this differently because even though I started off strong, it got harder as I had more children, you know? So um, like I said, after my fourth child, I think that I became like, okay, I got this in a bag, you know? Okay. The first three children was very hard. It was a struggle for me. Um, but now with five kids, we on a routine, you know, we wake up every day at the same time. I get them together. Um, their dad is a very big part of our life. So it's kind of just like, you know, we are, my motherhood journey has definitely improved over the last seven years. Mm -hmm. um, and right now with five children, I feel more confident than I was with three children. Okay. So I think you got better with time. Okay. Okay. And you pointed out something that I, that I really try to stress on this, on this channel too, is generational wealth generational healing breaking generational curses because i don't know what what got your mom to the point where she was when she had you when she left you or whatever but that doesn't just come out of nowhere right. like some of that came out of her upbringing and, mm -hmm. and how she was raised and how she was cared for and nurtured and led into her inability to care for and nurture you and you know we all have the option to just continue on with that same behavior yes. that was taught to us like that is you know the the things that we're given as we learn through this life from honestly from in the womb all the way up is all data about what we've learned is all data of how the world operates and so you you're like i'm, I'm left I'm going to go bouncing around foster homes. I'm finally in this spot with this lady who's being nice to me, finally. <laughs> and now I got a kid and now I'm out and now I got another kid and now I got another kid. Yes. Um, but you had a specific determination in that story to give your, you didn't have a voice. Nope. So the first thing that you did with your child was give them a voice. Yes. That's how we break generational curses right there. Because it's very easy to just be like, to just shut the kid up. Mm -hmm. Especially, you say he talk a lot. He talk a lot. And you talk a lot. But it's so easy to shut somebody up when they talk a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, but I could always see you trying to find your voice, though, too. Because whenever there was, whenever there was an injustice, at least in my presence, Miss Barkley was going to tell you about the injustice and how it needs to be corrected. And I'd be right there like... You are right. You are correct. I need you to be correct at a lower volume with less aggression. <laughs> but I also understood that you never really had anybody fighting for you. And so when I stepped in and started fighting for you in some of these situations, like, you don't have to have a voice. Like, I actually, like, I'm going to use my name badge, my title, and my voice to make sure that you don't actually have to have a voice. Um but you got one with me Definitely. and, and I, I don't know if that helped in you helping your children find voices, but I know that, you know, 
identifying that what you lacked in your life and then being determined and intentional about giving that to your children that's generational wealth because that oldest one ain't never gonna let nobody tell him what's what without putting his his two cents in it telling you i'm serious he can make up a dream out of nowhere like what tony so yes but that's a beautiful thing that you gave him that gift, something that wasn't given to you, something that you had to fight to get that you just gave to him even before he was able to form language. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then the healing that you had to do in order to be a so you was angry. You started having babies, got angry some more. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I wasn't that angry at first. When okay. I first had my first child, I wasn't angry. I was like, I got this. But as it grew, I'm like, hold on. Like, wait, you know, the troubles and like I said, my past trauma started to come up again. So what was you angry about? I was definitely I was angry about so this is I can actually remember the time where I really got angry. Um so the person who put me in foster care, which was my cousin, mm-hmm. it was it was her birthday. And my family started to call me like, ooh, you know, telling me that it was her birth. Actually, not only was it her birthday, but she had fell ill. Okay. She fell ill. That's actually what happened. And like she know, was ill, ill. Yeah, like she had went blind. So this oh. is God don't play about his children, okay? And don't so <laughs> she had ended up like um going blind a little bit and was having a lot of health problems. And they called me and they was telling me, and I'm like, why y'all calling me and telling me? Like, so y'all want me to feel bad or mm. what you know so I got angry because they were angry with me like they were angry that I was still holding on to the hurt <laughs> my my family my mm-hmm. family including my parents you know what I'm saying like, they wanted they were, you just let it go yeah and I'm like no so once that happened I really got angry like I I had like I said I had three kids at the time and I shut everybody out mm-hmm. because I'm like I'm not forgiving this person and I'm not going to say you deserve it because I was never a type of person you deserve any type of cruelty to your life but mm-hmm. at the end of the day you will not have good karma treating children the way that you treat them especially when they don't have any power over the situation mm-hmm. um so like so she she had you in a bad situation horrible situation no apology no just, apology. just you ended up in foster care yeah. time has gone by she's sick now and everybody <laughs> want you Everybody want you. Me. And I'm like, why y'all calling me? To go yes, be nice? To be nice. Because I was always, like I said, a forgiving person. Mm-hmm. The people who were calling me knew me to be okay with my past. So mm-hmm. that's where the turning point went. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay with this. Actually, mm-hmm. You had now, to accept that you weren't okay with it. Yes, because for so long, I had accepted it. So like I said, um, you know, and over the years, I I do forgive her. I mean, we can lie to ourselves, though. Yeah. We can lie to ourselves. We can want ourselves to be okay with something yeah. so bad or over something so bad mm-hmm. that we ignore the fact that we're not actually okay until something like this pops yes. up. And it, and it ruffled my feathers, like, a lot. For, like I said, for two years, I had just was like, I'm done with y'all. Because if y'all think this is okay and if y'all not going to apologize because I deserve an apology. Yeah, you do. Uh, you know? So, like I said, that right there is just like, turn me upside down and I just like I said I I lashed out like I said I was mad at everybody at that point because not only was I beat I was starved I was abused for no reason you know other than she was on drugs that's not a reason um y'all want me to forgive her and not only that y'all actually hurt me too you know what I'm saying y'all lied to me too you know what I'm saying like y'all was a part of this whole scheme of me having such a horrible life but I forgave y'all but that does not mean that y'all actions are okay mm-hmm. so once I entered that point in my life like I said I shut down for two years um and then after two years of no apologies of 
F you, Isha. I was just like, you know what, y'all good. Like I said, I started praying. I started listening to gospel music. I got closer with God, and I started to understand that, you know what, this anger ain't going to do nothing but make my life harder. You're going to get yourself sick. Sick. Yeah, really. Seriously. So, like I said, I forgave them, um, and I slowly started to rebuild the relationship with my mother. Mm -hmm. um, in a way, me and my father got back okay, um, and things just progressed from there. But it definitely, that was the turning point, just people just automatically thinking that I was supposed to be forgiven. But inside of that, I also understand that um, other people are not as you know what I'm saying, they're not as apologetic as mm -hmm. they should be. So I understood something about humans. Like, you know what? But you, we are all human. Yeah, but you know what though? That was part of your growth journey. Mm -hmm. That was part of your growth journey. You had to you had to be put in a position where you accepted what was really in front of you. Yes. You had to you had I think you wasn't mad enough. And you had to be pushed to be mad, mad enough so yes. that you could really feel the feelings and really address the feelings and really process the feelings and really gain an actual understanding of what forgiveness means because we don't always get no apology in the spaces in which we're uh we're commanded to forgive and uh, you know i i follow a couple of folks who don't really always feel and always believe in forgiving mm -hmm. um but even those who don't always believe in forgiving everybody still believe in finding your inner peace within those situations because even if you are having a hard time forgiving your abuser because they abused you right. <laughs> let's not forget that part we talk about forgiveness but we're not talking about what the infraction was this person abused you so you might still have feelings behind that but ultimately the end goal behind that is to find yourself a place of peace to where regardless of what they've done to you you're unaffected Definitely. And that you are not passing that poison on to other people. It's so easy to pass that poison on. Yes, especially to your children. Definitely. And then you said after all of that healing that you, you now your children are able to have a better relationship with their grandparents. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And, I mean, do you have a relationship with your grandparents? Um, I don't. So another generational uh, <laughs> curse and more generational wealth that's being Definitely. able to pass down. Now we are in a position where we're getting to know ourselves even deeper because we get a chance to see two generations back instead of just one. Yes. Um, and so there's, there's beauty even in that. Now you're, you have a family family instead of just this infraction, this fractured thing, but you had to heal for real. Definitely. You had to heal for real. For real. And the real healing were hurt. It hurt. So bad. Ah, <laughs> like physically, like we be talking about emotions, but like a heartbreak really be feeling like somebody snatched yeah your blood pumper out your chest kicked it around like a soccer ball and then gave it back to you like here sight, right. here sight. um you know you when you're when you're hurt by people who are supposed to love you like you feel that in your gut like you can when you cry hard enough like you, you get a headache you feel that and so but when you're healing sometimes you got to go through all of those phases yes. so you can get to the other side and then sometimes you just got to live a little life to see where where god was taking all of this definitely because <laughs> this is look I, I'm, I'm gonna tell the people the, the the job i had before i came and worked and met you where it changed came over to the foster care world and met you i was i hated it and i didn't want to do it no more and they ended up firing me and I was sad for like a couple hours 
because I just lost my job, my good paying job. But God has something else for me to do and somewhere else for me to be. And I was no good use to people in the position that I was before. I wasn't impacting lives. I wasn't being a, a, a kind, caring, hearing person that a foster care kid needed. I was, I was something else that, you know, ain't nobody need me. Ain't nobody need me doing what I was doing before. And so I'm not knowing what God was doing in that moment. I was just like, I ain't got no job. But I found a fantastic job after that one that actually spoke to my heart and one that spoke to my passions. Um, and one that actually helped me impact people in a real kind of way. I sometimes I minimize what I was doing, like, man, I was just just running y'all around, but but really, um, the reason why I even stayed within the helping for professions was, um, everybody in those spaces aren't honorable, you know, everybody in those spaces aren't honorable. I'm not crying. My nose running. For <laughs> I could have fake like I was crying, but I got. I always said I was coming with the realness. So if y'all saw that dripping down my nose, I apologize. I tried to hide behind the mic. It wasn't working. <laughs> but anyways, everybody in those positions are honorable. Um, you know, we hear horror stories about kids being removed from their homes just to end up in a foster home that's worse than the one that they came from, um, or foster parents even when they are good being a little bit too possessive of the children and acting like them and they kids uh, and that they don't actually have parents and so I really wanted to be a well-informed person in that space a person who you know if I was the first nice person that you ever came across in foster care then I wanted you to at least come across one nice person while you was in foster care and so that's just my heart (laughs) that's just my heart and I guess I minimize it because I because because I really want or that to come from me authentically, but I would like for it to come from other people authentically. It's not that big of a deal to be nice. No, you were amazing. You taught me a lot of different life skills. You know, like I said, not only how to cook, how to grocery shop, a lot of that stuff that we supposed to learn from our our parents, foster care kids don't get. So Mm -hmm. when we do, when we are in these group homes and we not going, you know, when people don't get that same experience as I got with independent living, we are literally, like you said, we getting let off at um, homeless shelters or just getting let off at 18 because, you know, and a lot of people do not have those basic right. life skills. So don't know how to do not don't know how to cook, time. don't know how to do laundry, don't know how to do a lot of uh, I didn't know how to do laundry. Like you taught me how to separate my clothes, like all of that <laughs> stuff, like really matter. Like you taught me how to, you know, I never had a problem with like keeping my space clean, but you made sure that you stayed on me about that because I'm a woman, you know. You taught me a lot of stuff that I would not have got you know, if I would not have entered that program. So I do appreciate you. And I do know it was a lot of workers who did not care because I knew other people that was in the independent living program that did not get the same treatment that I got. So I was blessed to have you. Like, I think God just knew, like, she needs some extra care. Let me give her her. Like, <laughs> you were like a blessing for me, like, tremendously. Seriously. Well, I mean, that goes back out to your law of attraction. You had something right. specific that you wanted mm-hmm. and you put that petition out there and... God gave it right back to you. I mean, like, because when I hear law of attraction and you, you, you just taking this to the top of the show, you, you putting out what you want to get back. Like that to me is the same principles as you reap what you sow. Like it's the same, it's the same principles as karma. It's the same principles as prayer. Yes. Um, you want God to bless you in a certain way. You put that prayer out there and you watch him work. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it take a little time. Yes, it 
Um, I always say the bigger thing you want, the longer you're gonna have to wait for it to cook up because God is like, You want that? Okay, let me <laughs> let me make let sure you're ready for it. Hey, the and he'll get you ready for yes. it if you follow along the path. But sometimes we put things out there and then we want to fight and scrape to either get it our own way or to be impatient about how we're gonna get it. Yes. Um, and God be like, That's not even how I want you to have that if you don't. If you don't sit out somewhere. So what y'all don't know is like the, the, the arrangement of this table right now is not the way it was when we first came in this room. My my wonderful producer tone was like, I, I was like not satisfied with how it was set up. And he was like, move. <laughs> I moved all this around so it could be perfect. That's how God be doing. Right. He'd be like, move. <laughs> move everything around. So if this is what you want. This is what you need. All right. I give it for you. But sometimes you got to wait. Sometimes you got to move. Definitely. And then sometimes you got to work. And then he puts you in a position that you want to be, if it's going to be good for you. If it ain't going to be no good for you, he ain't going to give it to you. Because why would he give you something that's going to be destructive? That don't even make no sense. You'll destroy yourself in two days. But, you know, that that's that's quite the incredible journey and i'm i'm very glad that you found god because i know that that was a point of contention. Well, Well, not contention, but that was a point of You were still lost on that subject when I first met you. It was a very, I think that my religion was like one of the hardest aspects of my life because people, like when I first started believing in law of attraction, my family was like, you are a devil. Like, what are you doing (laughs) meditating? You know what I'm saying? Like, that was just not a part of what people did. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, believing in law of attraction, it made people think that I was like dishonoring God, but I wasn't. It was just my own way of, you know, becoming myself, you Mm -hmm. know, so it took me a long time to even accept that part of me that I did have a different belief than people because I, you know, demised that belief so much because I wanted to be like everybody else. I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to be, I wanted to say God instead of the universe, even though I knew what I truly believed in, but because I wanted to, you know, be liked in the eyes of others, like I kept that side away from me. But now it's kind of like, y'all gonna have to accept me and accept what I believe in because what I believe in is the same as you. It's just in different contexts. If you don't understand my beliefs, then that's okay. But I understand yours I accept yours and it's yours for you Mm -hmm. just like mine's are for me Mm -hmm. so now you know I I do classify as somebody who is free of religion but I do have God I do know that there is a bigger purpose and if miracles go through God I have a lot of different miracles that happen in my life and I know that those miracles are not just because of me they are because of God Mm -hmm. you know but people have to understand that I am not a Christian and I do not classify with a religion Um, but that just also comes with respecting the person for who they are Mm -hmm. you know so yeah I stand up strong in my power now and I stand strong within my beliefs um and I am proud of the journey that I've had with religion because like I said that has showed me that I I can't be different I am unique and that does not make me weird it just makes me different you Mm -hmm. know and it's okay to be different you got you on your own journey yes for sure so before we close out I don't know I just this it won't go nowhere do you care to share a miracle that you've seen yes um Oh my gosh. Um, a miracle? Mm-hmm. Yes. I've personally, I've literally lost the house and literally went to a hotel before with my children and got a house the next day. Miracles. Something that I never thought, like, I'm going to be homeless. But mm-hmm. God provided me with a house the next day. The next day. The next day. I was in a hotel. I was in a U-Haul <laughs> with all of my stuff with my children and the next day I got a text like you know what you approved just give me you know what I'm saying and I did and I'm like you know what if this ain't a miracle I 
God is good. Okay. Right. So God is that's amazing. Just, uh, that's just one of the many miracles that um resonate with me. Like, yeah. and I'm talking about miracles, things that you just don't know is possible until it happens. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. That's that's one of them. <laughs> yes, like you can never forget that. I will never forget that. That's one never. of them. You go to bed like Lord, please help me. <laughs> I don't know how this is gonna work, but I'm going to put it in your hands. Ding. Text message. What? Let's stop playing. <laughs> and, and, and that right there will create unwavering faith. Situations like that will make you think, you know what? I don't need nobody but God. Mm-hmm. And that right there, that happened um, like three or four years ago. And been strong ever since then. Miracles are powerful. And they do happen. And they will not happen unless you do have God. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Unless you do understand that it is a higher power. Oh yes, definitely. I believe in miracles. That's beautiful. Sure. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. You you got any other testimonials you got in you? I have a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> for sure, I do. I have a lot, but that is the biggest miracle that I've seen. That's the sure. biggest one. That's the biggest one. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. But you know what? We we've been we've been sitting here chit chatting for almost oh almost an hour. I yeah, I told you we was gonna rock out an hour with no problem. <laughs> sure. But you know, and I th- I think we're gonna go ahead and 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 leave it off on that on that miracle because that's a beautiful and that's a powerful testimony. Yeah, and look, and uh, like I said, you know, things the the the, the guests that I have. Are right, we gonna have some points in which we come together? We're gonna have some points in which we differ. Y'all know I'm a I'm I'm a Christian. I like Jesus. That's Period. my homie. <laughs> but 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 there's beauty and there's love and there's respect for for those who are following their paths, who are finding their joys, who wish goodwill for others, and who just want to prosper in their own lives. Like, who am I to say that you wrong? We all just trying to figure this thing out. Period. So with that being said, if you don't mind, I always end every episode out. We pray it out. Um, and then and then that'll be that. So you want to know how my hand? My head's kind of sweaty. I'm it's sorry. all right. It's all right. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to connect with Miss Barkley. I thank you for the stories and the beauty that has come out of this conversation. I just ask that you carry it with everyone who will resonate with. May it be enlightening. May it be encouraging. May it be uplifting to those who are in difficult situations that they too can have hope. They too can have prosperity. They too can see miracles. They too can connect with their wildest dreams thank god and amen amen right